0: Here's your host, Alex Garrett.
1: Well, as Texas is under sub-freezing conditions and electricity being returned little by little to its residents, we got some better news ahead of us. We got some great news ahead of us. Because this week, pitchers and catchers are reporting, they reported yesterday to, to spring training for the Yankees, and someone I know that was involved in pitchers and catchers in spring training Back in the day with David Cohn and the Yankees was one bad boy, Luigi uh, Castillo. First of all, Luigi, thanks for joining me. We're longtime friends. It's about time I had you on the podcast here. Yeah. Hey, Alex, man. How you doing? Thank you for having me
0: on. And, uh, you know, during these crazy times in the pandemic, thank God baseball's back, you know, and uh give some hope and some light to uh, Yankee fans and baseball
1: fans all over the world. And you're saying it's a mission for 28? I feel like that every year at this point, isn't it? Gotta get that ring. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's like it's like a, a repeated
0: story. But uh, hopefully I think they have the right pieces this year. Everyone stays healthy. And I, I think they have a great chance, you know, uh, and especially under the regime of Aaron Boone.
1: Well, let's talk about this from numerous perspectives. you got a book out. You've got a new hardcover to this book that's been out for a while. We'll talk about that in a bit. But what is spring training like? What is pitchers and catchers like for you guys? And then, of course, were you a bat boy uh, during spring training as well as up in here in New York?
0: Yes, I was. Uh, I was actually uh, the seniorities, the, the, the older bat boys like myself and Joe Lee would go down to Tampa uh, almost every year after uh, starting in 2000. And uh, it, it it's more fun than the baseball season, believe it or not. Spring training is more fun than baseball season, regular season, because uh, you got 60 players. Um, they're they're in the, they're in and out. Uh, there's a lot of changes during the game. Um, they're having more fun. It's not that serious. They're working on their their craft. They're doing autographs and too in can...
1: game, if I'm not mistaken. So they're doing all that as well.
0: Yeah, that's that's true. Even bat boys were signing autographs. Believe it or not. I don't know if there's a bat boy out there, Ray Groan, who's known as well, uh, was signing autographs the way the dynasty year bat boys were signing autographs back then. But um, you know, it, it's fun. It's a it's a family oriented uh uh a, a season down there in spring training. Uh players actually take bat boys out sometimes to eat. Um and you know, it's more fun because it's more relaxed, there's not much pressure. But once uh the regular season comes around, that's when everyone's on their toes.
1: Tampa, what a beautiful place that is by the way, right? I, I love Tampa. There's just nothing like it. The palm trees, the stadium. Of course, oh now they're they're God. they're training next to the World Champion Buccaneers, which is uh, you know, you can literally see Raymond James right from a suite or from a seat at, at Steinbrenner right. Field. Correct. I mean, wouldn't we trade that right now, Alex, to be right there oh. right now, this moment? <laughs> I mean, we're under another weather watch for what the seventeenth time this this month alone, right? Uh, but Luigi, I brought you on because I want to talk about the Bat Boy Fraternity. I mean, there is one, and mm-hmm. it's something that is sort of to the regular fam, maybe not a known, you know, fraternity, right? So tell us about that as well.
0: Yeah, I, I consider Ray Negron the uh godfather of the Bat Boy fraternity and uh he took me under his wing and uh we we gotten more Bat Boys and from different generations from the seventies till now. And um, you know, it, it's something bat boys get overlooked, uh, I feel and not just the Yankees and, and any team because they are an important piece. They uh keep things together for the players and and uh uh minimize their distractions. Uh, on the on the field and keep them focused in the game. So anything they need off the field or or during a game, we're we're there to take that little stress off of them and keep them focused on winning the game. And uh, you know, Raina Grown has done a great job of you know giving the Bat Boys a, a great name and and a great recognition, which they deserved. It's a lot of a lot of hours that Bat Boys put in, and even going to school. Managing school uh, homework during uh, a regular game, right after school, you have to find a way to do your homework because you're going to be there to probably on a seven o'clock, seven thirty-five game. You're going to be there to mm-hmm. maybe one in the morning, straight after school from three o'clock. So the bat boys put in a lot of hours, and 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 I kudos to all the bat boys now, and and back then, man, uh, you know they're an important piece to any team.
1: Obviously, you guys didn't have the social media presence, obviously because there was none. Do you think the social media sort of takes away from the bonding of these players with bat boys? I mean, in the 90s, everybody was really cohesive. And I think not having social media might have helped. Would you agree? I agree.
0: I agree. I mean, um, uh, I don't know how it is now how players and bat boys are. But like and Grown in the 70s, it was like, uh, you know, adopting a son. They adopted Ray and uh Reggie Jackson's and the Thurman Munson and the Mickey Rivers and they still talk to him to this day. And it's kinda transpired into uh what what I've done with David Cohn, Derek Cheater, uh they accepted me and then Daryl Strawberries and the Doc Goodens and we still stay in touch to this day. And you know, the, the players do really understand and they do care about bat boys and, and know the importance of of a role of a bat boy for them and for the organization. And at the end of the day, yeah, I, I truly believe that social media has taken that kind of if away from it, from bad boys and, and players.
1: Well, and uh, I, I'd say so. But then again, we, we're not there, as you say. But you did write a book called yeah. Clubhouse Confidential, which I want to get into. But. You were honored, along with Ray, into a Hall of Fame last year on the grounds of Old Yankee Stadium. And you were so emotional. And people that weren't there, take us back to that experience of being inducted with Renee Negron into the, I believe, the Hispanic uh, Hall of Fame, if I'm not mistaken.
0: Oh, wow, Alex, man. That was, uh, I wish my father was alive to see that. He passed away from cancer, and that was one of the goals that he wanted, you know, for me to fulfill is uh, as many accomplishments as I could fulfill with baseball because I love baseball. as my first true love. And, um, you know, that day, uh, just being there and seeing all the people, the outpour, support, yourself were there, you was there uh, bringing you on board and, and, and just seeing, it was like the Yankee reunion family with under the Steinbrenner wing, you know. And uh, I, I cried because... I came from an urban community where the neighborhood was rough. And, you know, it doesn't matter where you come from, if you work hard and you have your priorities in order and you respect your peers, these are things that you can accomplish in life. And just being there with a mentor like Ray uh has made such a huge difference in my life as well, um, meant the world. And having David Cohn get an award by the museum that day and the contribution he does for Puerto Rico, um, it was just so overwhelming and I wasn't crying because I was sad I was crying because and I'm getting a little choked up now going back thinking about it as you took me down memory lane that how much that day meant and the uh, hard work that me and Ray have done and and continue to do for our, our communities and try to give that inspiration and message back to the youth now so they can do good things and be our future leaders.
1: And uh, I'll ask you later on uh, what is the best way for someone that wants to be a bat boy how can they get involved.
0: Um, I got lucky. I I wrote a letter on behalf of Tina Lewis, who was the queen of the bleacher creatures. And she knew uh, Sonny Hyatt and Tom May, who were baseball operations in the front office back then for the New York Yankees. And uh, I kept writing letters and I wrote three letters and the Yankees wrote back to me. But my best, any kid out there that wants to be a Yankee bat boy, there's a million letters that get written every year. There's only probably Six positions available every year or or less than that. Uh, You send a photo of yourself attached to a a loose-leaf paper, write why would you want to be a Yankee bat boy, how your grades are in school, because George Steinbrenner always said he does not hire any bat boys. They're flunking their classes, and they're not doing the right thing in life. So uh, write why you love the Yankees so much, Uh, who's your favorite player, uh, what are your baseball skills, and pray for the best and hope for the New York Yankees front office to write back to you and pick your, your letter out the hat.
1: I got a story for you. So he had me down in spring training, uh, George Seymour did, to hang out with everybody. Mm-hmm. Right. And I was in that round table. As He had one up in the stadium suites and in Tampa, uh, very much the same, yeah. actually. But he said to me, oh, right. are you doing your homework? Because he knew I was taking a time off from school. Right. And I'm like, the owner of the Yankees <laughs> is asking us that.
0: Yes, yes, uh, Alex. That that was that was George, and uh, I always said it: the best boss, the only boss that I ever worked for. And uh, man, he taught me, you know, and many of us so many things. And I just want to keep his his legacy alive. And what it, uh, he doesn't never want the recognition of helping people out. He was just like that. He does things from the heart, and that's the Yankee way. And and it doesn't matter what color you are. Uh, That was George. George believed in that. And I hope one day he goes into the Hall of Fame because that man deserves it and what he's done for New York and many, many children around the world and many people around the world that he made dreams come true, including baseball players.
1: And he never talked about it. He saw the gruff and tough in the headlines, but he wasn't that person at all. And I think that was interesting that you and I and Ray got to experience a very different side of the man that brought, what, seven rings to New York? It's just amazing to talk about. My hair's... My hair's just stood up when you said that, because I'm very spiritual, and I feel that he's
0: in this interview right now, and he follows all of us, like Ray and all his uh, Yankee players from past to present. Uh, The boss was one of a kind, and I've met a couple of other owners from different teams as a bat boy, and let me tell you something. We are blessed. We were blessed with the presence of a man that really cared about another fellow human. And I don't think that's ever going to happen again, honestly speaking.
1: I, I don't see it happening that way either. Um, but your book, Clubhouse Confidential, you've had it out for a while now, but it's a hardcover. Is that correct? That, that's the change now?
0: Yeah. Uh, the, it was Clubhouse Confidential was written in 2011. I'm actually working on another book now, a children's book. Uh, it's under the wraps and actually Raina Grove' helping me out. Uh, but I can't give too much on that detail yet. But the old book Clubhouse Confidential, as a young kid, uh, myself, you know, about Squeegee growing up, uh, being around with the players, and St. Martin's Press, my company now, it's a collector's item, the hardcover. They still sell the paperback and uh, Google Play, and uh, and uh, uh, the soft cover online as well. But the paperback, they pulled it off because of the collector's item. Because the photos of the old photos I have of players and myself uh, in the book, uh, they feel that it's more valuable, you know, off the shelf now that 11 years and it did great. It made one of the top five sports books when it first came out. And I thank the New York Post and the Daily News for covering that. Um, you know, shared memories with the players, and now, you know, some of the players are supporting the book and you know uh, giving me a, a, a push. And, you know, the money that I'm making from the collector's item that is being sold now with my autograph is to help you. I have my own not-for-profit organization now for eight years called Squeegee Chuggers Literacy. I help African-American and Latino kids in all over the Bronx in school with school supplies, which I have to thank David Cohn for helping me last year uh, donate some book bags with school supplies and his wife to kids um, in the Bronx. And we want to continue that. And, and I'm thankful to Ray for helping me out as well.
1: Luigi, you are in the community like Ray, like Gio Urshella, like Glaber, like a lot of these guys. What was being in the community during COVID like? I mean, that that was a very straining thing, wasn't it?
0: Yes. Um, it's, I'm going to get here a little, little personal. Uh, me and Ray, uh, I got sick first. And then Ray got sick. And, um, you know, we we sacrificed and we didn't, we knew what we were facing. It was a monster we were facing, but we knew in back of our minds, we had George telling us some way, some weird way, you gotta do this. Uh, the, the, the Bronx, it, it was like the Bronx was burning again back in the seventies when mm-hmm. George would help out. And we just felt, we knew what we were in for. And Ray called me from spring training last year when it got canceled and I was walking in a supermarket and I saw this lady with four kids. And they turned her away because the lines, I mean, ridiculously, were out the door, across the street, around the corner, and some people weren't there were meals missing. So I reached out to Ray. Ray took the next day a train down from Florida came down here and we got to we picked up the shovels and we got to work and we're still working and helping people out to this day. And um, you know, it's it's tough and we got sick behind that but we didn't care because the sacrifice and the heart
1: was there we knew we were doing the right thing and that's the yankee way well it's interesting you mention that because i am I'm, I'm now remembering you did have covid if you want to get into that in a minute i know you were very worried you were concerned it lasted uh it felt like a couple of weeks following your story but how are you feeling now and and take us through that experience for a minute
0: yeah i had it for three weeks i was hospitalized twice uh, the first time I caught it, I, I thought that that was my last day on earth. Uh couldn't breathe. My stepfather and my mom actually, uh, I banged on their door. I collapsed, and uh, my stepfather called the ambulance. Uh, they rushed me to Lincoln Hospital in the Bronx. They they kept me for a day. They tested me, and, and, and it came out positive. And then uh, I, I was in bed. I mean, I, I was in the bathroom. My girlfriend, Abby, who is pregnant now, uh, helped me out a lot. Uh, she would take me to the bathroom walk me. I had no inner strength. Mm. But the support and the prayers from Yankee fans, players, uh, Rain and Grown, people from neighborhood, neighborhood, uh, all around Facebook, uh, really lifted my spirits and made and made me not feel alone. And, you know, it's something that, you know, people should take serious. Wear your mask. While, you know, always clean your hands. Um, stay six feet away you know, from people and, and just follow the rules. And I think we can, we're turning the corner now, but uh, it's something people don't want to experience because everybody's immune system is different mm-hmm. and some recover quickly, but unfortunately I didn't. And when I was hospitalized the second time, they took good care of me and uh, I, I got to learn, you know, and now I, I sanitize
1: more. Um, I, I, I'm like a hand sanitizer freak now, Alex. That's <laughs> great. No, okay, it, that, I, I mean it's like, great that you you learned to do that, I guess. But it just it's. I'm hoping the vaccines bring some progress too. And I, I don't know, would you still take it if if this antibody wears off? Or what did they say about that? Um, for those are antibodies, yeah.
0: antibody usually. Uh, I'm learning more because I've done more research on it because it scares me half to death. Um, so I'm now um, I'm on board with taking the vaccine, and I'm going to take my vaccine soon. Uh, I'm, I I recommend. People take the vaccine so we can all turn the corner and go back to living our normal lives and seeing our loved ones and hug our loved ones. But uh, I think the vaccine does play a crucial role for us because my antibody, when the doctor told me here in New Jersey, it can last six months to a year in you. That doesn't mean because you have the antibody, it's going to prevent you from catching it again right. if you're not following the rules. So I recommend that we do take the vaccine. I am all for it. I am going to do a video when I take mine and tell people what the symptoms you feel, if you have symptoms from the vaccine or not. But I just want people to, you know, because we have a trust issue with the government now and medical people. That's why a lot of people are not taking the vaccine. So maybe people like us and maybe players can step up to the plate as well and you know, do video because we have technology now and take a vaccine on live uh, Facebook or Instagram and and show the people that it's safe, that it's not bad to take the vaccine.
1: Absolutely. And I'm very glad underlying conditioned folks can get it now uh, rather than wait till March. That was a big step forward. Uh, Obviously, we're going to have fans in in the state in the city. But uh, when you were talking there, I just was thinking, Luigi, your backstory, your childhood, did you ever think you'd be an influencer as a New York Yankee Bat Boy alumnus? I mean, did you ever think this was possible?
0: Wow, uh, no, man. Uh, I I tell you, I uh, will be honest, and I wrote, I wrote it in my book. I thought it was one and done, one year, and I was done. But um, just like you, you were George Steinbrenner's lucky charm, Alex. I know I know your backstory with with George and um, passing by the stadium on on your roller skate, and mm-hmm. he had he he had a liking for you just like Jeter and and Cone and and all these players that still reach out to me. And I told them they were the ones swinging the bats and and making those fancy plays and, and winning championships for us. But they believe that, you know, uh, like the Shane Spencers and Daryl Strawberry and Cone told me that they feel I was a good luck charm to them. And many of us were good luck charms. And, you know, I just feel that, you know, I would love for bat boys to get more credit and, uh, not not get the exposure but you know at least give them you know give the little guy that helps out uh his his pat on his back and uh you know i'm glad that ray negron took me under the wing because he's one great uh representative representative for the bat boys i uh, like i say he's the grandfather and i consider myself the prince and we just want the bat boys to do the right thing stay in school and contribute to their communities and maybe we can make this world a better place by doing that and following suit of what
1: the Steinburners families have done over the years and many players. All right. Let's get into this this book because you were there right alongside David Cohn, July 18th, 1999. I can't believe it's over 20 years now. Anything that the fan base did not know what was going on. I mean, look, you had to get them through rain delays, right? I mean, that was a big part of that game.
0: Oh, yes. Uh, wow. Uh David Cohn, uh, we're still good friends. Uh, his his kids play with my kids. We go over to his house with his wife and, and he loves my kids and I love his Sammy. Uh actually his son's name is Chi Chi and my son my oldest son's name is Chuchi. <laughs> and um that day, uh, you know, nineteen ninety nine, uh July eighteenth, uh we it was a regular day. It's a hot summer day, it's Yogi Berra Day, first day back. Uh, after his his relation with uh, George, and they made amends and, and made up, and uh, they, they were reenacting the 1956 ceremonial first pitch, Don Larson and Yogi, God rest their souls. Uh, uh, David Cohn was on the mound, and he said uh, something to Yogi uh, and she said something to Don Larson and Don Larson said, no kid, you got it wrong. It was Yogi who jumped in my arms and, and David mm-hmm. said, he felt like a fool, but it was like giving uh, David, like a little breather of relax, you know, to, you know, to get ready to pitch Uh third inning. All of a sudden we have, we see these dark clouds. I mean, it was a bright sunny day. The clouds are coming. There was, you know, 45 minute rain delay. Uh, usually starters don't come back to pitch, uh, but and especially in David Cohn's case, he had the aneurysm. So uh, he he convinced Joe Torre he wanted to go back out there and g- give it one more notch. And thank God that Torre gave him the notch because uh, we only had about 10 minutes to warm up, and Javier Vasquez from the Montreal Expos, and the Expos were already on the field getting loose, and the Yankees were still hitting. So uh, uh, Posada... Well, you know, with the backup catcher that day, even though he was a starting catcher, it was Joe, Joe Girardi's day to catch uh, Cone Sunday Yeah, and Girardi, Girardi was not. Uh, I don't know where he was in the locker room, but Cone just saw me on blind sight. He said, hey, kid, uh, squeegee, got it, got a ball in a glove. I said, you got it in hand, Coney." I was getting ready to p- put the towels in the in the in the in the dugout. And here goes David, he goes, Come on, I need you to warm me up. I said, Me? Starters usually don't even talk to bad boys on game day. <laughs> so I had no catching gear. I got in the catcher's uh position, uh, right in the vials of Yankee Stadium. And Alex, you know this. Uh those pipes were real low in front of the Yankee Clubhouse. Yep. yep. And and David Cohn to this day says it in interviews. We did an interview together on on uh Reach Out uh for Bronx Net and he said he was skipping them off the roof, which was true. He was and then you can hear him skipping and, and passing me. And he was like, poor Squeezy, you know, and then I'm trying my best to to catch David. And David goes, no, no, let's go on to the field and, and finish this warm up session. And I'm like, D- I'm, I'm nervous now. So we're walking down the tunnel, Yankee Stadium, going onto the field and the players are loading in. I take a quick glance on, when I'm on the field with David into the dugout and I see Don Zimmer laughing at me. And, and he felt sorry because he knew I was nervous. I got in the catcher's position again, and we threw about 15, 20 tosses. I threw one, the last one back to David on a one-bouncer, nonchalant. David picks it up, gives me a thumbs-up, tosses the ball back to me. I keep it in my back pocket, not thinking about a perfect game, but that I warmed up with my childhood idol because I always mm. wanted to be like Cole and, and my summer leagues. And David used to teach me a lot uh, during batting practice and Mel Stalemeier how to become a pitcher for my summer leagues. And that meant that moment warming up with him that day was very special to me. And in the ninth inning, there was a pop-up to Scott Brocious. And I was sitting down the right field line. Yes. I still had the ball in my back pocket. I got so emotional because I saw him drop to his, his knees, Girardi hugging him. Everybody uh, jumped on top of David and Girardi. And, uh, you know, just seeing, being happy for him because that's a man just like Steimer deserves nothing but the best for what he does on and off the field. And after the game, uh, I went into the locker room. He finished talking to David Wells on the phone and hugging all his teammates and did his interviews. When the dust settled, I went up to him and I said, hey, Mr. Coney, can you please sign his baseball for me? He goes, are you kidding me? Give me that. He gave me the ball and he signed perfect game. And he goes, glad to share this moment where you We will always be connected. And I still have the ball to this day.
1: Well, you know, maybe people don't know about that run in 99. I mean, they went on to – they didn't have a 98-type year. They had a they had a great year, and they won the World Series. Were you along with that team through that whole year, 99? I mean, did you get to see them clinch it in person when – I think it was Spencer. or right, Actually, it was Chad Curtis that made the catch Chad to, end, to end that series. Were you there that night?
0: Yeah, I even went to Atlanta for Game 1 and 2. I flew to Atlanta for the World Series. And uh, when we came back, we were confident on that plane. And uh, when Chad Curtis caught that ball, I mean, you know, from, you know, everything we've been through that year with injuries and uh, personal uh, people uh, like Scott Brocious and Lisa Ho losing their dad and Paul O'Neal, Right. I mean, it was so emotional that that championship, even though it was not 1998 and we won 125 games and lost 50 games, that was a huge accomplishment. 99, you cherished it more because uh, getting there once is hard. Winning it once is hard. Winning it twice, it's a blessing. And uh, 99, uh, just seeing grown men cry Mm. tears of joy uh, and seeing Steinbrenner hold up that trophy and Joe Torrey getting poured champagne on by Derrick Jeter. You saw chemistry. You saw family. That's what you saw.
1: I'm glad you brought up Jeter. Obviously, as many know, he's, I think, going into the Hall of Fame this year. The induction finally is going to happen for him. I think we all all should get up there and and support him in Cooperstown. I I hope to anyway, uh, if they allow it. But any great Jeter stories that maybe no one knows or that only you could write about in Clubhouse Confidential?
0: Uh, Barry Jeter was not a man of many words, but led by example. And um, I'm thankful that he gave me the name Squeegee uh, because of him. Nobody calls me Lewis, <laughs> yeah. but um, you know uh, he's a class act. And um, I say he's second to Thurman Munson. Uh, he cared about the little guys. Uh, always wanted everybody to do best. And uh, the story I have of Jeter is one time we're we're all sitting in the locker. All the bad boys. He calls me over. Uh, it was, I think it was another rain delay and uh, G had nothing to do. He was just signing a fan mail and he goes, Hey man, I need you to do me a favor. I said, what do you need G? And uh, he goes, I need you to make a list of every bat boy and every employee in this locker room. And I want to give them free Jordan sneakers. And he gave us each two pairs and he did this every year. And that to me, was like, wow, because this guy, you know, Jordan would give him so many things. People give him so many things free, and he would hand it down to the little guys. And that, to me, means a lot because he didn't forget who he was. He was not egotistic, and he did, he he humbled himself. And he was a great leader that every youth should follow.
1: Uh, absolutely. I mean, I, I honestly say in baseball, I don't know. Many guys that run the ball as run it out as hard as Jeter did. I mean, on a single, you could think you get on second. That's how hard he would go. And yeah. I, I feel like we've lost that a little bit uh, in the league, yeah. which is which is I like mean, he, we would be
0: losing by ten runs, Alex. He uh, would yep. still run it out. We were winning by ten, runs. and that's he played the game the right way. And um, if if a teammate made an error, he he was the first one in in, in the in the dugout. I mean, just like a cheerleader, man, when he wasn't hitting. And he's, you know. Oh, there's video of that. I remember that watching him
1: jump out of that 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 dugout whenever something huge happened.
0: Yeah, and, and that's leadership. And and I mean, uh, a guy like Ruben Sierra, who played 19 years, a good friend of mine, played 19 years in Major League Baseball, would say, wow, that man is way beyond his years uh, talking about Jeter. And that's coming from a veteran that's played mm-hmm. before. Mine. He's like, he's the first one on the steps. Whether it was uh, Scott Brocious or an Enrique Wilson or uh, Dallas Strawberry, it didn't matter. He treated everybody equally, and uh, I guess that's why they made him the captain, and that was the greatest choice the Yankee organization made during that dynasty run.
1: Let's talk about the organization for a minute. Across town, we see the Mets be sold to Steve Cohen, and the Wilpons are done. They're out of that I don't think I see, I don't see the Steinbrenner selling that team. And, and what does that mean to know the Steinbrenner family wants to keep this team going uh, under their leadership?
0: Um, I um, me, uh, you know, I will be biased here. I, sure. I don't like the crosstown rivals, <laughs> uh, but, um, I think the Steinbrenner family, and especially we lost Hank, uh, Steinbrenner last year. I felt like he was just like his dad. Um, I, you know, hope Hal can follow suit and uh, keep the team. I want the Steinbrenner family to keep the team because not only because of the the fans, but what the Yankee symbol means to a lot of urban communities and a lot of people that are in a daily struggle with life issues. Um, The Yankees are like saviors. And Uh, the Steinbrenner family keeping the organization and not selling it to someone that probably won't have the same passion that the Steinbrenner family and that their dad had. Uh, It's kudos to that family and everyone behind the scenes, the regime like uh, Randy Levine, Lon and the Brian Cashman's keeping this boat not sinking, you know, and I'm I'm very appreciative to see that tradition carry on uh, and the legacy. Uh, One day, You know, maybe 50 years from now, if the team does go to a new owner, uh, that they understand the history and the blood, sweat, and tears that were put into this and and keep that machine going. Because uh, not only that that the team helps on the field, these players do a lot uh, off the field, each and every one. And and that's what it's about. Uh, New Yorkers are a a symbolism of winners. and, And that's what Steinbrenner stood
1: for. Did you think uh, did, did you see us persevering as well as we have? I mean, I believe we've truly persevered COVID, but as you say, New Yorkers are winners, and I think doing what we can to push through this whole time we're in with the pandemic, with new leadership and Washington, all of it is a big testament to New Yorkers, is it not?
0: I, I believe so, Alex. I believe so. I believe because you've seen how many deaths. Uh, people couldn't go to funerals. Uh, You couldn't hug loved ones. I mean, over more than a year now, uh, we've been through this pandemic, and it just shows the strength of the Yankee fans, not only fans, of New Yorkers, and it shows what the Yankees. That's why I say there's like a relation, because Steinberg always said, and I have a tattoo on my arm because of the great boss, his quote, winners never quit, quitters never win. And uh, there's no quitting in New York. Mm. 9-11 You you threw 9-11 at us You threw uh, Ebola You thrown cancer You thrown the monkey
1: wrench The kitchen sink at us And we're still standing And uh, that shows unity And And in less than a year We could have fans back Like I thought we would not have fans For eternity But it looks like we're going to have Some back (laughs) at the stadium (laughs) Yeah, I was getting tired of seeing those cardboard oh. behind home plates. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, Actually, you know, it was the crowd uh, noise that did it for me. That fake crowd noise really bothered me a little uh, bit. Oh, yeah. It, it, it's, it's, it's amazing,
0: Alex, what, what God can do in the faith of God and all of us sticking together. That's what uh, leadership is. That's what team is. That's what the Yankees stand for. Not one man makes it the Yankees. It's 25 guys, and it took all of New York, to get through it and I think we are the example for the world us New Yorkers we are the example that hey we face adversity but we're not going to stand down and lay down we're going to fight we're going to fight till we win
1: how cool was it to see Boone in a press conference I know you mentioned this on Instagram I think it's great to see baseball back I mean we we talked about that but were you surprised at how well MLB actually did getting baseball on last year I mean that was amazing the way they were able to coordinate everything even with the postponements they made it up they got it done Really heroic effort there um, by everybody to get that season done last year.
0: I think the commissioner doesn't get enough credit for what he did. Uh, And Joe Torrey and and the rest of those guys up there in the MLB office, kudos to them. Um, Keep up the great work. Uh, Some people are going to criticize you in life uh, during tough times, but uh, that was entertainment that people needed. Even though it was risky, doesn't matter. Uh, You know, as long as you take the safety precautions as the way they did it, uh, which was so smart. Um, And I think they're fighting, uh, they're following the right guidelines this year as well. uh, Trying to give us a full season. Hopefully God willing, we do have that. Um, The way they carried themselves last year in a shortened season, uh, just to give, you know, some sense of hope to people around the world because we had nothing to watch on TV. And all you kept hearing was uh, people dying. So Mm. just to take your mind off for a couple of hours, off the uh, pandemic uh, was big by baseball, Alex. And and I I hope this year uh, we turn the corner, uh, we get full capacity at some point, and uh, get back to living normal lives. And and I think MLB is a prime example of, you know, following suit uh, for other sports, uh, how the way they carry themselves during the pandemic.
1: Now, I know you've been interviewed about your story and about the book Clubhouse Confidential. But I don't know, did they ever ask you about the protocols that you guys had to go under for curfew as bad boys? I mean, was there anything maybe not this strict, but some rules there to make sure your performance was great at the at that role?
0: Oh, yes. Uh we uh we had to follow a lot of uh, a lot of guidelines. Uh first of all, there was no cell phones allowed in the clubhouse. Uh you know, you had to also, you know, don't don't uh interfere in the players' work. You know what I'm saying? Even though if you were buddy buddy, you know some players get attached to Bat Boys. Mm-hmm. You you can't distract them and uh you know you you it was like, you know, walking a fine line but you, you did your job right. Uh you know and especially me and Joe Lee, we were seniors there and you know, Bat Boys were like revolving doors and uh we just kept going every year. I was there for eight seasons and we would mentor the rookies and make sure they did the job right so just like derek jeter was the captain of the team and making sure all the players were on board and, and following the mission bat boys as well have to train rookies that come in the new year and uh, make sure everybody's on board so the the ship can sail and shell in the right uh, sail in the right direction so there's a lot of things that bat boys have responsibilities uh making sure number one is staying in school so we were working 10-hour shifts uh, but back then, you know, a 7 o'clock, 7.35 game, you would be getting home 1-2 in the morning to get up at school and then didn't matter how tired you were, Mr. Steimer and, and, and that front office were checking your grades. And if you weren't complying, they had to, you know, replace you. So, uh, you know, the Yankees are 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 – are very corporate. Are very uh, ed- uh, worried about education for the youth, and I respect that. And uh, I hope other bad boys can follow suit and not just take it, you know, for a fame trip. You know, take it as uh, you can make a contribution to the game and help someone else out as well.
1: All right, well, th- there's obviously some rough patches you had as a bad boy. So any conflicts, any controversy, any anything that you write about that you'd be willing to share here as well. Did they ever get mad at you? I mean, I don't think you'd interfere, but was there any time that, like, I don't know, was there any conflict between the players and and the Bat Boys when you were there at, at, during those years? Yeah, I
0: had, <laughs> I had one. We're friends now, me and Tanyan Sturtz. Uh, it, he was uh, they. It was rookie day. You know, we dress up the rookies, Alex. You know, we dress them up in costumes. It was a Hooters outfit that year. Uh, I, it was two thousand four, and. Tanny Sturge had gave up seven runs. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh so after the game he comes in, his clothes are gone from the locker. He's like, I'm no rookie. And he was the first bat boy he saw in, in sight, and I was putting the hats back in the hat box because it was getaway day. And he goes, you get over here. Where's my clothes? I said, I don't have your clothes. But I knew about the prank that Rob Kakuza and the uh a couple of bat boys that did that <laughs> to him and he actually grabbed me. There were reporters in there. He actually grabbed me and threw me into the trash can. And Derek G would say, hey, knock it off. He would tell him Sturtzy. And then uh, Sturts actually caught himself. And I and I was really upset because me and him were good friends. But I understood that he was uh, he gave up seven runs. Who wouldn't be upset? And then, uh, you know, I went into the dugout. I, I shed a little bit of tears. I came back. I actually wanted to quick because that was the first time a player ever lay hands on me. Uh, but I didn't sue, uh, you know, he apologized and we're friends to this day on Facebook and we actually look back at it and laugh at it now. Uh, but that, that you know, it's experiences you go through and, and that's just to let you know
1: that baseball players
0: are human beings too. They make mistakes just like we do.
1: So you had that, but ultimately where can people find Clubhouse Confidential? Where can they find you on social media?
0: Uh, Clubhouse Confidential it can be found on Paperback and Google Play and um, at Barnes and Nobles, uh, and you can find it online on Amazon or eBay or any site that sells the book online. And then uh, you can find uh, my, myself on Facebook, uh, Luigi Squeegee. That's L-U-I-G-I-S-Q-U-D-E-G-E-E. And on Instagram, it's I am Squeegee, uh, lowercase I. E.
1: Obviously, when you write a book, everybody thinks they have you as an open book now, like you're telling it all. But is there one thing that people don't know about you, Luigi, Squeegee? Well, one thing that people don't know about you? Yes.
0: Um, I'm not afraid to say the mistakes that I made. Um, I've, I've learned how to grow, uh, grow into a man. Following great mentors like David Cohn, Raina Grown, Derek Jeter, Um, all those guys that are now, you know, I've seen grown into uh, older men, and now they see me grown into uh, uh, grown up. Um, I share my my, my childhood dream. I came from I came from nothing. I I got lucky. I I achieved my dream with the New York Yankees for them giving me an opportunity. They changed my life, and I I kind of took it for granted. Uh, You know, just like any any player, young kid kid getting money, uh, didn't have the guidance. I had lost my dad at an early age to cancer. I was around the wrong people. And now I'm surrounded by the right people for the last couple of years. And um, just, you know, getting my life the way it should have been because I was a good kid back then. And, you know, I'm trying to get back to that now. And, you know, along the ride, life is a roller coaster. But uh, you never give up. And, uh, you know, I thank God every day for changing my life. <clears throat> I'm very spiritual now, um, you know, and I thank him for everything and all the blessings and all the life lessons that I had to learn to understand <clears throat> what, what life's about. And, um, and I thank Ray a lot, Ray Negron helping me a lot and understanding that uh, it's not about uh, receiving. It's about giving from the heart and um you, you do it and you do it because you want to help thy fellow man or thy fellow woman
1: well we are uh, we're going to follow your journey luigi and and do come back tell us how the thing is and as the season progresses hopefully i get to see you at the stadium soon enough and uh <clears throat> we'll stay in touch and have you back on thank you alex i appreciate you for having me and one more thing yeah brother let's go yankees let's go yanks love you man <laughs> and uh love you, brother thank you I'm Alex Garrett. That was Luigi Squeegee Castillo. He's a fat boy alum and I'm Alex Garrett.